Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the week two college football betting recap. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson, live from Las Vegas. What did I say on our preview episode? Slate looks ugly. When you expect the unexpected in college football, it doesn't happen. When you think it's going to be a boring slate, it's absolute chaos. What a weekend of college football is so much to talk about 15 hours of action went to past two in the morning Oregon State goes for it first a goal to three with three seconds left of the final play and scores to beat Fresno RIP any Fresno tickets out there and then BYU Baylor just pulling kicks left and right playing overtimes BYU knew coming in hey we're gonna show any mercy oh my lord he made him see the father the son and the holy spirit on that hit. Mm. Unbelievable day of college football. So much to get to. What's going on, Colin? I, I, I can't even explain what a roller coaster it was to, to have the ability to predict that Pitt, Tennessee is going to go to overtime, but then have tickets on Wisconsin and, and say that Texas A&M is going to roll in the first half against App State. The, you know, the best call, worst call section we're going to have on this podcast. We could go for hours. I'm looking forward to these voicemails. Yeah, I've been Brett McMurphy on our Big Bets on Campus live show from betting Rice the rest of the year. You are hereby banned from betting Graham Mertz as a 17-plus point favorite ever again. Uh, Holt Nailers came through as a favorite, by the way. This is an ECU podcast uh, until they don't cover for me. That's got to be the best part I've ever seen. So it would seem. Yeah. By the way, the Sun Belt East is the new SEC East. Don't let the latest come between you and the belt. Georgia Southern. Over three touchdown underdog wins at Nebraska. RIP Scott Frost. He'll be an offensive coordinator at VMI next year. Nebraska loses another one possession game. Marshall wins at Notre Dame. App State wins at Texas A&M. Hey, Stucky. It's producer Matt here. In honor of App State's incredible road victory and their ability to stay under their team total of 17 and a half for me, I'm going to play this App State promo song the university commissioned in 2005. Here's to you, Mountaineers. Stay hot. High up on the mountain above the rest, there's a university that's going places, working together to be the best. Half a large family of smiling faces. Teaching and bullying, growing up in 
people. Jimbo Fisher offense is not it in 2022. Dap State gave up 63 points to North Carolina and 14 trillion yards last week at home. They go on the road to Texas A&M. They win 17-14, almost 15 years of the day when they won at Michigan. Texas A&M had a kick return for a touchdown in that game. Scored 14 points. They had nine first downs. Pathetic. Pathetic. Bama should have went down. We'll get to that game. All right, let's start where we always start because we want to hear from you first with the voicemails. And I announced on Saturday a new prize, weekly prize, weekly cash prize. We'll go to the best voicemail that gets played of the week. And it's we're going to call it the bleep of the week. And at the end of the season, we'll award a prize, big prize, to the caller of the year, which we will call the Haiti Smith Trophy. After this, one of the most memorable voicemails of all time. Cue it up, producer. Sure, thanks, Doc. For those new to the show, this is, in my opinion, the greatest voicemail we have ever received from September 21st, 2018, when Devin from Alabama called us after Lovey Smith and his fighting Illini gave up 35 unanswered fourth quarter points to James Franklin and Penn State on a Friday night to lose 63-24 and blow an enormous cover, he has never called back. I'm Devin from f***ing Alabama, Champaign, Illinois, f*** Lovey Smith, the whose name should be Haiti Smith for my f***ing odds, f*** that how the f*** do you go from four f***ing down to f***ing 90 points f***ing down within f***ing five minutes of the f***ing game? You f***ing piece of s***, Lovey Smith. Champagne, Illinois, and all the all the crowd that happened to in Chicago ends up happening in Champagne. So, all right. So, let's see who's going to win this week and see what you guys have to say. I haven't listened to these yet, actually. Have you? I did. I did. They're uh, they're spicy. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However, you're feeling, we want to hear from you. Reach the voicemail box of the Big Bats on Campus podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Leave a message after the bleep. Woo, pig suey. Oh, man, oh, man. I don't know when y'all are going to learn that the name is not Sam Pittman. His name is Sammy Covers. Sammy fucking covers. Because Sammy fucking covers. It does not matter what the point spread is for the Arkansas game. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Spencer fucking Rattler sucks. He's a dog shit. Arkansas is going to the Natty this year. Bama, they suck. They barely beat Texas. We beat Texas by five touchdowns last year. Arkansas, this is their year. They're going to a Natty. They're going to a Natty, bro. It's Sammy fucking covers. An Arkansas Natty call after a win over South Carolina at home. And the optimism in Fayetteville has never been higher. Colin, thoughts? Now, how can you not be optimistic when you put a beat down on South Carolina and you see Alabama struggle the way they did and you start staring at that October 1st date and thinking, we've got a chance in the SEC West, considering how bad Texas A&M is, too. And I think I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on that, not because of Arkansas, but because of South Carolina. South Carolina, you know, you corrected me on the podcast when I said probably the worst trench on both sides of the in the SEC, and you said it's probably Vanderbilt. I might come back at you and say – 
South Carolina cannot protect Spencer Rattler and they cannot get pressure on any opposing quarterback from the defensive side. So, you know, I, I think it's a great win by Arkansas. They did exactly what I thought. They're just going to bowl them over. Uh, you know, my handicap on the game was it'll be 14. It'll be seven. It'll be 14. It'll be seven, which, you know, is kind of how it played out. So uh, listen, I'm all pro Arkansas, but at the same time, South Carolina is really bad. Well, and I'd be worried about the Arkansas defense. Uh, yeah. Yes. Rattler, Rattler threw for like 400 yards. Um, all right. Year. Catalan's done for the year. So that, I yeah. mean, who knows what Slush is coming back to. That's an all, all American safety going for the year. Probably the most important player on that defense. Listen, I, I got to tell you, I thought last week's Georgia under was a once in a generation under. That has been overturned by this Duke under. This is going to end. I am going to get fucked the rest of the season, but these funders are a gift from God. I'm only 25% Irish, but you better believe I'm eating corned beef in the bathtub tonight, baby. What a gift from God. Corned beef in the bathtub. Let's do it. Later. Yeah, corned beef in the bathtub, baby. I was on that under. It was looking good in the second. I didn't look at the start. Duke is very, very improved, by the way. I'm surprised. Maybe we'll hear from a Duke caller calling for a national title. But, and then at the end, the fourth quarter, Northwestern puts adds on two touchdowns after going for it on fourth down twice. Then they get the ball back. Well, first, Duke has the ball fourth and goal at the one. And Northwestern has no timeouts. You go for that. They were up seven. They were up three, I believe. And if they score a touchdown, the game, they're up four. If they score a touchdown, the game is over. If you don't get it, they have, they have to go 99 yards with no timeouts. I was – so Duke called a timeout. I was one, and I shouldn't say, I was 99.9% convinced that Elko was going to go for it. And I said, they're going to sneak this in. But this is heartbreaking. Texting a bunch of people who were on the under with me, and they're like, they're definitely going to go for it. I'm like, yeah, it's the right move. And then I see players start snapping off their chin straps from the offense. And I say, oh my God, he's going to kick it. And he kicked it. Then Northwestern gets the ball back, goes right down the field in like five seconds. And are running in for a touchdown to put the game over that would have tied it. And they would need, would need a two-point conversion. They were down eight, yeah. And play the call. The announcer had a great call. On third and one, they run it. Oh! He dropped the ball! He dropped the ball! Did he cross the end line first? No! It is Duke football! Hall was so close to crossing the end line, but he lost it. We will pay for that later, but boy, was that sweet. I, I mean, I, listen, I know you had the under, and I like the over in this game. The pace was there to go over. Yeah, Duke is flying. I can't even begin to explain how bad these two teams were past the 40-yard line. There were 14 trips between them, less than one point per opportunity. Uh, once yeah, the over was the right play. I was watching it early, and I said, oh, boy, this pace is not good. And Northwestern did not want to tackle at all. Anybody. All right, moving on. This Georgia State team is infuriating. The drops, the turnovers, the play calling, the, the f-ing special teams. I feel like I'm watching an NBA team that's actively trying to tank. I wish I really wanted that money line. They were up by a touchdown in the fourth. Just some dumb mistakes early. They should have got North Carolina. Same old North Carolina defense. I think they gave up like 30 straight points. Uh, Colin, I'm currently walking out of the Notre Dame Stadium. Now 0-6, watching Notre Dame play live. At this point, teams should pay me when they play against Notre Dame. God, I hate this f***ing team. A&M losing to Appalachian State? Are you f***ing kidding me? The whole meme of last year was f***ing Zach Calpana, and you lose with f***ing Kane King? 
now the game next week has no meaning. And it might not be ranked. Like, Jimbo, your whole off-season competition was that you're on par with Saban and you lose to App State. Haynes King ain't it, guys. It's a, but it's just the Jimbo offense. Uh, yeah, Texas A&M is dead. If you have a future um, ticket, tweet at me every, and everyone who has them. We'll, we'll start a search party for anyone who has a Texas A&M national title future. My house, maybe next weekend, we'll have a huge bonfire with all of those tickets. Texas A&M was kind of gifted field. They started their average starting field position was at the 35-yard line. I and they mean, returned they, a kick for a touchdown. Yeah, to you know, to call other coaches out or to anything. He really needs to look within that program and that pro-style offense. Hey, don't just be a f- support. Just keep fighting with us. We ain't quitting on you. Please don't quit on us. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason to be nasty. Like, you know, Saban wiped his offense away like eight years ago. He's like, this is not going to hang in college football. And Jimbo's just so stubborn that he's not going to change what he's doing there. So this is what's going to happen every year. You are not going to make the playoff, even if it expands to 12, if you keep doing this. By the way, tough, tough day for the do not expand the college football playoff crowd out there. Uh, They were hushed throughout the day when all of these top tier teams were going down and uh we but Bama just beats everybody by 50 yeah but sometimes they get a game sometimes they get upset and if if that's the case we don't need to wait a month for it to happen give us some games to bet on in the interim that's the point that's my favorite thing about expanding so who was right I feel strong about this now really strong but Bama who what were you more shocked by Notre Dame going down to Marshall by the way Marshall lost its best player before the year started. But I love that defense, man. Huff, and, and they've fixed their run defense in the interior. Their defensive line was getting after it. Uh, the Notre Dame offense was struggling. And, uh, yeah, Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore's younger brother, stud corner for Marshall to pick six late to seal that. Marshall wins at Notre Dame. And then, obviously, Texas A&M. But similar point spreads, right, right around three touchdowns. Um, what were you more surprised by? Well, for, I'm extremely surprised by Marshall. Uh, I know what kind of game. I think Notre Dame purposely wanted to be vanilla here, but the fact that they struggled so much on offense, they just they don't have any weapons whatsoever. It makes me step back and think, what am I doing with Ohio State's power rating number? Uh, you know, I, I'm a little I'm a little nervous about how good is Ohio State. Uh, I'm not, and it's not a fluke that Marshall beat a Marshall 98 percent post game win expectancy. Texas A&M App State. Oh, Texas A&M. Way I was shocked App State that won, App State won. Oh, I was way more shocked by Marshall. Texas A&M unders continue to be very strong plays with, uh, I mean, you want to know the passing this game? Haynes King, 13 of 20, 97 yards. Chase Bryce, 15 of 30, 130 yards. Texas A&M ran for 89 yards. They had under 200 total yards of offense. Uh, that offensive line is a mess. The offensive scheme is a mess. And uh, the defense is good. The defense is still good, as always. They didn't have any havoc. They didn't have yeah. any havoc. App State had the havoc. That's what yeah. that's what shocked me. Yep. All right, moving on. I can't believe I wasted three hours of my Saturday watching Iowa versus Iowa State. I actually won the under bet, and I want to tear my eyeballs out of my head. Uh, yeah, Iowa goes down to Iowa State. You know, this really pisses me off. I, I got a rant about this. I I probably bet Iowa State against Iowa in this rivalry the last five years and lost every single time would usually win the box score and then lose. Then this line comes out and I can't, it's just a huge overreaction. I thought to Iowa last week against a pretty good FCS team. And that's just the way Iowa wins. So I couldn't bet Iowa state. And of course, with this rebuilt team, one of the least experienced teams in the country, 
they they go on the road and beat Iowa when I'm not on it. I was so mad when I saw that. And uh, yeah, the Iowa goes up seven nothing, and that's the maximum amount of points that they can score. They at least win in the end zone this week, but they can they are incapable. They need to make a quarterback change. I don't know what they're doing. Spencer Peters, 12 of 26, 90 yards and a pick. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? That this is your offense. Who's 10, seven at home. I will run, run it 25 times for 58 yards, 150 total yards of offense. What are we doing? Yeah. Embarrassing. I mean, the, the box score, the advanced box score is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Passing down success rate for the entire game for Iowa. Zero percent. <laughs> Zero percent. Now, the overall success rate around 40 percent in the first half. Second half, when Matt Campbell made his adjustments <laughs> in the fourth quarter, Iowa had a zero percent success rate overall on offense. That's almost impossible to do. It's like you're running backwards. And they had average starting field position of the 36. Absolutely embarrassment of, of, a, of a game. And good for Iowa State. Good for Matt Campbell to get that monkey off his back. Uh, three yards per pass. Is that good? <laughs> three yards per pass. That's. That's Nevada, Nevada territory against FBS teams. Nevada? Are you f-ing kidding me? Nevada? By the way, Nevada, who came into this week, who should be 0-2, plus nine turnover margin after leading the year last year. They get two turnovers. I had our incarnate word, plus four. They get two turnovers in the first three plays of the game. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They're, they're plus 11 turnover margin two minutes in to on September 10th. In game three. And then Incarnate Word finally stopped turning it over and put up 55 on that garbage can. By the way, Nevada, uh, it was was a huge win for the win total, by the way. Nevada is at Iowa next week. I fade Nevada every week. I make the Nevada team total like (laughs) 3.8. Oh, man. Can you really lay like 27 with Iowa? (laughs) They can't score 27 in three games. Oh, man. That's going to be my favorite game of the week. Unreal. All right, moving on. This one's for the G5 fellas. Normally, I'm a big fan of you guys, but I'm tired of the fucking Dana Holgerson teams. I don't give a shit if he takes over for Nick Saban at Alabama. Blacklisted. Dana Holgerson. This dude is a certified dipshit. Going back to when they lost to fucking Hawaii in Frisco, Texas at the bag salad bowl. This guy is a fucking moron and to only be able to score three points in the first half against texas tech texas tech that fucking defense and joey mcguire oh my god dana just fucking, oh my god the big 12 is not ready for you fella oh my fucking god oh uh, yeah shout out to the group of five guys if they're two best bets make sure you check them out yeah, this is a complete opposite game of last year. I had Houston against Texas Tech last year, and they were way up at the half. They didn't score in the second half. This time, they come charging back in the second half. They, they outscored Texas Tech 17-3 to in the second half. Then they end up losing in double overtime. All Houston does is play mo- multiple overtime games, and Dana always starts with the ball, getting cute. Worked well last week, did not work this week. They were thoroughly outplayed by UTSA last week. They should have lost that game, and they were outplayed again this week. No other way to put it. Uh, they had 11 penalties for 121 yards. That This Houston team, I think everyone was overrated coming into the year. I was talking to a friend of ours uh, out in Vegas, who I'm sure you were probably with this week on last night. He was saying, like, and I, I'm not mad at him, like SMU potentially, like, updated American futures, maybe East Carolina, because this is a Holt Nailers podcast now. This is either madness or brilliance. 
It's remarkable how often those two traits coincide. Because Houston doesn't look great. You know, Memphis is is not winning the conference. I mean, I I mentioned taking a flyer with like Tulane 100 to 1 before the year. But Houston doesn't look as good. Cincinnati is down. UCF. I mean, all you got to do is just run blitz on first and second down because John Reese Pumley, you can't complete a pass to the sidelines. It appears wide open to me. And SMU has looked really impressive. They might be the best team in this conference. I think it's a little more wide open than we thought coming into the year. Would you agree? I completely agree. And I love Rhett Lashley's system. And I think it works perfect for what Sonny Dykes left there. I'm not sure they can play a lot of defense. And I'm going to wait until probably TCU tears into SMU for about 60 points before I would lay that SMU ticket because that'll, you know, it's not a conference game, but it, it, the odds makers do shift, you know, on non conference wins and losses. So, um, but oh, I agree with you. But I, I think the, the right time to buy that is after the TCU game. ECU hosts Houston. They're at Cincy, host UCF, hold nailers, man. We're all in. I cannot wait until he loses outright to home against Navy. I can't wait for them to lose against Navy. So depressing. I didn't see much of that game. Actually, that's a lie. I saw zero plays of that game. Navy. They lost 37 to 13 at home against Memphis a week after losing at home to Delaware. And uh, the offense is uh, still not fixed. And, uh, you know, they got trucked, gave up 415 yards passing. No push on the ground whatsoever, which is something that they have to have. Uh, they actually had a negative <laughs> negative PPA in the first quarter. And for the game, I, I, it, Navy is uh, not getting any better. And you know what? The market, there was some professional money out there on Navy. And I joined, and it was it, it's just horrible. It's, it's a shit show. Yeah, I, was, I almost went there. But luckily I passed. Moving on. <laughs> Colin stuck. First of all, it's absolutely hilarious that an FCS school that I've never even heard of before today was a three-point underdog at dog Nevada. <laughs> I mean, we all knew this was going to happen. How bad can you be if you're losing to a school called the University of Incarnate Word? Now, before the game, I have to admit, I had to do a little bit of research before blindly betting against Nevada. So I learned that the mascot was the Red Cardinal, and it's located in San Antonio. All right. What really convinced me was that it's the largest Catholic university in the entire state of Texas. Since those f***ing cowards that play football in South Bend, Indiana, (laughs) Notre Dame, couldn't beat Marshall, I knew that our Lord and Savior had to come through in honor of the passing of the Queen of England. Oh, and Nevada goes to Iowa next week? (laughs) If that f***ing total opens at 17 i'll take the under roll iwu baby great voice though by the way and uh yeah incarnate word they are the catholic national champs right now go ahead we're recording before openers come out you just automatically want to take a nevada iowa under but let's look at incarnate words offense real quick nine trips past the 40 yard line they scored 48 points for an average of 5.3 per trip past the 40 nevada's defense it's like it's lawn chairs it's 11 lawn chairs lined up out there and everybody gets a touchdown so i'm not saying iowa can even get a drive past the 40 yard line but that would make me a little bit nervous yeah i mean nevada their defense looks good when they get every fumble and people are fumbling and throwing it right to them bad teams by the way but uh yeah once you if you just don't turn the ball over which i was good at not doing 
Nevada can't score. I think the play might be Nevada team total under three yeah, and a half. Agree. I, they're probably not going to score, right? You're going to get a pissed off Iowa team. And I don't see how this Nevada offense can score. You know, I mean, the only way you can score, like, they need turnovers. But Iowa doesn't turn it over. That could beat themselves. And they're just going to pin Nevada deep every time they can in true French style. Uh, this game could end 7-2. Uh, but Nevada's defense is really bad. So, maybe I, I don't know. I can see Iowa getting to 30 here and having a little bit of an explosion when no one in the world wants to bet them. They will be the least popular favorite of all time. Yeah, when 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 Kirk Ferentz, when his son is his son's just going to get you know go through the ringer this week for his play calling and the way the offense the direction of the offense is going, wouldn't be surprised if they're doing anything they can. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, and I don't know how they're going to have any explosive plays. But uh, it should be a very motivated Iowa team. Moving on, Colin Stuckey put Holy Cross in the fun belt. Holy shit, this team is incredible. Beat Buffalo on a last second hail mary. This is legendary. Holy Cross of the college football playoff. Who says no? Holy Cross University. No one even saw it, but um, that's the, it's one of the oldest Catholic colleges in the U.S. Huge day for Catholic football outside of Notre Dame. Incarnate Word pulls off an upset on the road against an FBS team. And yeah, Holy Cross beats Buffalo. At least you got the bills, Buffalo. Colin, I see you at the Circa. Listen, they might not have Kansas up, but they will next week, baby. Lance Leopold, Jalen Daniels on Bob Huggins Day. That's right, Bob Huggins Day, giving West Virginia that fat L, baby. Rockhawk, motherfucking Jayhawk. Huge win by Kansas. By the way, I never knew this rule. I thought the rule in the early 90s, there was – so Kansas goes to overtime. West Virginia comes back for six. Kansas scores in overtime and then scores again on a pick six. I, I thought the ball was dead at the FBS level after you score a touchdown. It used to be. They've changed the rule a couple of times. But mm-hmm. in the 90s, I know it wasn't because there was a spread that was 12. I think it was Arizona State and USC. Cal was, Arizona, it was a Pac-12 game. And it decided the spread. I'll tweet it out this week. But the, the team scored first. That was a favorite. And then they got a fumble recovery for a touchdown. It my 13th. This one didn't impact the spread. But it's, it's so bizarre to see a team – they won by two touchdowns in overtime. West Virginia goes down at home. Tough luck. Uh, Canada's on the rise, though. Yeah, I don't understand why West Virginia stopped using C.J. Donaldson in the fourth quarter. Uh, a little bit of a questionable call there. Uh, <laughs> Kansas uh, maximizing their trips to the past the 40-yard line. Seven opportunities, 42 points. Uh, you know, they had great average starting field position. That's a problem, uh, you know, for the West Virginia special teams. I think Kansas' average starting field position was a 36-yard line explosiveness success rate this is the new 58 percent overall success rate on the game i mean like what what's the national average like 44 percent? this is the new kansas baby i mean over two and a half it, it should be easy now right i don't know i'm, I'm a little nervous of duke but uh it should be easy now over two and a half hopefully we get there i'm literally brushing my teeth they compared anthony richardson to vinci young earlier i mean are we serious here what the f- yeah, great call by you there. Huge win by the Cats in Florida. We talked about it. Their defense, which shut down Florida in the second half, held them, held them to zero points. That zone defense present, prevents explosive plays. It's what you need to do against Florida. And uh, the Kentucky defense dominated that game. Pretty impressed by Levis because he was getting no time. The Kentucky offensive line is still a major issue. 38 rushes, 70 yards. They can't run the ball. Their offensive line is a mess. Levis made, Levis made enough plays, but it was really their defense. 
Anthony Richardson, you know, you know what happens when you've been explosive plays? Six carries, four yards, include sacks. 14 to 35, 140 yards, two picks. That's so if you're if you're playing Florida coaches, watch the Kentucky defense. That's a blueprint. Yep. You just take a zone, take away the explosive plays. The game plan by Kentucky on defense was brilliant. They held Florida down to 22% overall success rate on the game. That's half what the national average is. There were some a couple of explosive by Florida, but not, not enough to get anything in the end zone, not enough to do any damage. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kentucky was able to just shut them down. And then by the <laughs> then by the fourth quarter, Florida's uh, standard down success rate was zero percent, zero percent. They couldn't do anything. So, I mean, just a great call by Stoops and Anthony Richardson Heisman tickets. If you got caught up and bought that in the last six days, uh, you're going to get a better number <laughs> now. Yeah, that's dead. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe the, the acute oversteam late. I think they oversteamed late or at some point yesterday. Uh, 68 carries for 200 yards total in that game. I think like 500 total combined yards. Can't believe we had to sweat that under a little bit at the end. Uh, shout out to Stoops for taking the knee and then kicking the field goal. This is the smart move. All right, moving on. Hey, Colin. Uh, just want to know what you think I should do with this Nebraska season win total over ticket because it sure as hell ain't cashing, buddy. Eagles have one power five victory all time. They've been so close. Time to take a bigger bite out of this cord stock. Draw play. Van Trees at the five. Van Trees stretches and he scores. Wings up, Eagle Nation. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Kyle Van Trees. The Eagles take the lead. And Eagle Nation is going bonkers just below us. I, what's interesting is what Adrian Martinez is doing down in Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State looks excellent against Missouri. And, you know, considering what Nebraska is doing right now, I think that we've kind of figured out what the problem was over the last few years in Lincoln. Yeah. Stucky, Colin, I cannot believe this. And I'm sitting here after midnight just in an absolute wreck over Hawaii. I mean, they get down to the goal line, literally the goal line with plenty of time, and they can't fucking score. For two weeks in a row, they're going to get stuffed at the goal line. That's just pitiful. They lose 56 to 10. I mean, I just, that's as bad as it gets. And that was already a bad day. So just fuck Hawaii. They can't do anything right. Second week in a row, Hawaii at the goal line, four plays, can't get in. Game stays under. They got stopped at the one on four plays against Western Kentucky in the final minute. And the game stayed under. And then they were at the goal line again. This week, four plays, couldn't get in, and the game stayed under. Yeah, yeah my, my whole thing was like, you know, the, the, I got, I was like, I got to take this 50. I got to take this 52. Like, this is just, I mean, there is a <laughs> element of a clock here. It's not It's not like baseball where the game could go on forever. Uh, you know, I mean, the clock is going to help Hawaii cover a spread. And I said, well, if it gets over 60, I don't think I'm going to put it in the app, but I'll just let everybody know. At 60, you probably got to buy. But, yeah, they covered 56-10. I'll take it. Yeah, it's hard to bet those games because you're, you're – but when you get over 50, a lot of times it's very difficult for – it's very difficult for these favorites to cover because they are going to pull their starters. These, these happen early in the year. They're not going to risk injury. They're just going to sit on it. I think going back 30 years, teams catching 50-plus in FBS matchups are like 68% against the spread. I'll look it up, but it's, it's very good. But, it's, I mean, the sample size isn't big, but that's, that's the reason why. Michigan could have won that game by 70 if they wanted, but why do you need to? Moving on. Colin, you've been sacked recently. But uh, you know what? The podcast's been good. Power five's been great. All I wanted to call in for it was the over in uh, BYU Baylor. This is such a fing game without these receivers. BYU Baylor under betters. 
we did it. We can finally rejoice. Once the kickers were forced to stay on the sideline, we got the ticket through. It's 1230 Mountain Time. Time to take a quick nap and lose all the winnings on the NFL. I love this f-ing season. Thank you for all the calls. I think you had a winning day. I had a really good day, so they're not going to be as spicy as usual. But there will be four days, and I'm sure they'll get spicier. Like I said, cash prize every week for the best caller. Uh, bleep of the week, I got to give it to my guy, Martin. You better believe I'm eating corned beef in the bathtub tonight, baby. He's one of our most loyal listeners and callers, and uh, I can't stop. It's, I, I, the image of him eating corned beef in the bathtub is uh, going to be haunting my dreams. So, uh, yeah, Martin, you're the first winner. You'll go into the pool later in the year for the caller of the year. Now, the rest of your voicemails, you, you cannot win another week, by the way, but the rest of your voicemails, your body of work will go into determining who won the Haiti Smith trophy for the caller of the year. So your work isn't done yet, sir. And I know it's a labor of love, so we'd be hearing from you anyway. All right, before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Before we get the best call, worst call, bet regret, Alabama, Texas, got to talk about it. Gus Factor. As soon as Gus came on, I was like, oh, I feel good now about my Texas ticket. Uh, The Gus Factor was in full effect. Texas is the better team. Uh, Texas got robbed. First of all, Quinn Ewers looked phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. He was ready for the moment. Nine of 12, passing, 134 yards. You know, two of those incompletions. Worthy dropped the touchdown on a bomb, perfectly thrown. And then where they lost the ball in like the in the sun and didn't see it when he beat his man. Another great thrown ball. He looked spectacular. And they were carving up the Alabama defense. Sark had a great scripted portion. He goes out. Hudson Carr comes in and looks pretty good. He gets hurt. He was banged up playing with one wheel for the rest of the game. Alabama, 
by the way, you get a bullshit fake flag roughing uh, when there was a safety, which ended up being the difference in the game. Alabama wins by one. Alabama hits a 51-yard field goal, by the way, also. A missed P.I., a missed face mask, which should have given Texas first and goal at like the two on both. They were both extremely obvious. Yet, they're, I mean, the refs were bad. They, Texas got fucked in this game. Uh, total yards were dead even. But just a couple of uh, – Texas playing with their backup quarterback. There is clear lack of explosiveness playmakers on the outside. I know that Tyler Harrell hasn't played yet. He had 20 catches for 600 yards and six touchdowns to, that, in his career at Louisville. Let, let's not act like he's Jerry Rice. Just the offense doesn't look right. Uh, so I'm ver- <laughs> Coming into the year, I was like, Alabama and Ohio State might be two touchdowns better than everyone. Georgia's looked better than both. And uh, I have questions now with both teams. Unless the Texas defense is now the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears overnight, you got some questions about this Alabama offense. Uh, crazy game. Texas should have won. Is Texas back? Or is Alabama a little worse than we thought coming into the year? I pray, pray for the, first of all, for the Alabama players this week in film. All those false starts, soft sides bunch of more missed penalties that they didn't call. I pray for Louisiana Monroe next week, going to Tuscaloosa after that Alabama performance. And I'm going to tell you what, if I had a barometer up your ass to say whether you were giving effort or not, it was about 50%. Why did you push yourself? If Texas had won, I might have laid 80 in the first half. Thoughts on Texas, Alabama, and a thriller? Well, I, I, I don't understand Jameer Gibbs' usage. Uh, he was over 50% usage in, in the first quarter. Alabama's success rate in the first quarter overall was 64%. Second, third quarter, 13%, 10% success rate overall. And they stopped using Jameer Gibbs. As a matter of fact, Cameron Latou was used more in the fourth quarter than Jameer Gibbs was. So I don't understand that at all. Sark absolutely dominated the second and third quarters in the advanced box scores, everything from an explosiveness perspective, um, you know, to, to his overall success rate, but uh, Alabama has got to get some stuff figured out. They had a 0% success rate in standard downs and second and third down, and they stopped using Jameer Gibbs. So I don't know what's going on with the play calling and I don't understand the uses of the players. Uh, Bama's lucky to escape. I'm interested to see what their national title numbers are going to be coming out today. I've already been like torn to pieces on Twitter this morning because Alabama is still ranked number one uh, in the power rating. And I think, what people need to realize is there used to be a gap between Alabama and everybody else. Now there's not, I mean, they are right there within a half point of Georgia. They are right there next to Ohio state. There is no more gap between Alabama and everybody else trying to get into the college football playoff. Well, yeah. And we have 10 years of data saying that Alabama is going to be the best team in the country. Like you can't overreact to one game. Now we have to ask questions and you have to adjust a little bit, but you can't just say, all right, Alabama's the 10th best team now because they should have lost to Georgia, uh, Texas. That's not how it works. Um, and maybe te- we still have to figure out how good Texas is. Texas might end up being in the top tier. Feeling better about my Big 12 ticket, by the way. Two to three weeks on yours. Yeah, we might and back. Card, looked, card looked fine. And the defense looks better. And you would you expected it to be with PK in the second year with all that talent. They couldn't be any worse. All right, let's call best call, worst call, bet, regret. I hope that you tell us your your worst call is going to be that Kent State over. I didn't watch it. You got to tell me what happened there. Brett McMurphy laying like forty five in the first half. Kent State's up three nothing with a minute to go in the half. So yeah, his last two la- final. We closed the show with Rice and Oklahoma first half minus sixty five. We got we got to get you on next week, Brett. Love you. Uh, best call for me. 
We're probably, I mean, Marshall plus 21. We want outright. Uh, but I'll say, uh, let's go, because I want to give a shout out to this. New Mexico State, UTEP under, under 47. I don't know. I didn't know why that moved from 44 and a half to 47. UTEP's a snail. New Mexico State can't complete a forward pass. UTEP without cowing is just meh on offense. And you, I've had, I've had, I'm three and oh this year, New Mexico State unders. Guess where they go next week? Wisconsin. Uh, another snail fest. I'll probably be on that under too. Uh, worst call, you convinced me on Stanford. So I can't even take that. Uh, Eastern Michigan, by the way, was the rain delay. I'm taking UTEP guy. We're never going to hear from UTEP guy again. They're 0 3 against the spread. Eastern Michigan rolling before the weather delay. That's what messed up South Florida. That's what messed up UTEP's guy. I'm sticking with that narrative all year whenever I lose a bet. But I'll say worst call, my only losing game bets were Stanford, which I blame you for. I'm kidding. I, I'm the one who bet it. And EMU, that's it. And that was the rain. But, yeah, I mean, EMU in the second half was bad. The defense was bad. So I'll say that. But overall, I had a really good day. You have to enjoy them, those Saturdays. That guy who called in and got that under home, that BYU under. There's nothing worse than three, a three, 2.30 in the morning. You've had an awful day. And you're in overtime trying to get an, an under home. And you're just like, please, gods, just give me this one. You only get so many Saturdays. So you got to enjoy the good ones because the bad ones are rough. They're like 14 hours of just pain, trying to just hope and pray for a, a winner. Just give me a winner. Um, so, yeah, I'll, and I'm bet regret. I'll say uh, listening to you on Stanford. Um, there's going to be weeks where you get the shit on me and I have awful weeks, but uh, <laughs> there's not much for me to say poorly. And Friday night went well. It was a, it was a good weekend, but we'll be bad ones, but we move on. Uh, yesterday was enjoyable, but who cares? We're waiting for openers, and then it's on to week three. How about you? Best call, worst call, ever, Greg? Well, I think I'm going to go best call with Texas. Uh, you know, I came out early in the week. I bought that 21 when it hit on Monday on Labor Day, and I had no fear. And then when I got here to Vegas, I had no problem finding a better number, uh, finding that number again and firing before kickoff. And I felt like the BBOC live show yesterday morning. We're the only three people in the world that were back in Texas. I, I just did not hear any rationale from anybody besides us and our podcast and our live show about Texas. So I'll, we'll, we'll say, you know, uh, a team pat on the back for all of us uh, uh, for backing up Texas. Although, you know, I, I do think, you know, calling Kentucky correctly and saying Pitt's going to overtime, uh, that wasn't bad either. Uh, but, you know, from a from a worst call perspective, uh, Cal really let me down. Got ahead on UNLV. Uh, couldn't finish the game off, stopped scoring at 20 points. Um, but Texas A&M is easily my worst call, uh, thinking that, you know, App State was going to be deflated coming in after North Carolina. Wait, you laid it with Texas A&M? First half. I had Texas oh, okay. A&M first half, yeah, on the podcast. And, I, and yeah, and a little lighter in the pocket because of that. So, uh, you know, that was uh, a bad call saying that App State wasn't going to come in there wanting to play and that Texas A&M would try to get all the points in the first half before they play Miami next week. So, uh, so yeah, I'll go that best call, worst call. And then, you know, from a bet regret perspective. Uh, it's betting Graham Mertz laying 17 and a half, by the way, that's your bet regret. And I cannot let you get by worst call without talking about the Kent state first half over mainly because I'm curious what the hell happened in that game. How does Kent state up three, nothing with a minute to go at Oklahoma? Did yeah. you watch, or are we concerned about I, Oklahoma? 
I mean, there's absolutely no success rate from either team in the first quarter. Oklahoma. It's Kent State. How's Oklahoma's, Oklahoma not putting up 50? Listen, I'm staring at the box score. I don't understand what's happening here, all right? <laughs> I mean, Kent State averaged one point every time they got across the 40-yard line. Uh, no one did anything in the first quarter whatsoever. Both teams were lifeless. You're getting more points out of Iowa City than you were out of Norman, Oklahoma. So let me – this. here's how the game started. Kent, negative six-yard punt. Oklahoma, two-yard drive, punt. Kent, 10-play, 30-yard drive, punt. Oklahoma, four-play, 30-yard drive, punt. Kent, three-play, nine-yard, punt. Oklahoma, seven plays, four yards, punt. Kent, 15 plays, 72 yards, eight minutes. I thought there was flash fast. Field goal drive. Oklahoma, eight plays, 33 yards, punt. Uh, Kent State, 11 plays, 40 yards, missed field goal. And then Oklahoma finally scores a touchdown to end the half. 7-3 at the half. What the fuck? Haley's Comet only comes around the earth every 76 years. This first quarter box score from Kent State, Oklahoma, it's like you're never going to see this again out of these two teams. I, I have, There's no explanation for how bad it is and how many punts there were. And uh, we confirmed Graham Mertz is, is indeed not back. Yes. Nor, yeah. nor he, was, he was back. He was back for one game, the first game of his career. <laughs> yeah, very bizarre. Uh, Wisconsin loses 17-14 at home. They uh, won the box score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over 400 yards of offense, but they pulled a Wisconsin. Bad day for the Big Ten. Illinois looked impressive, by the way. Uh, they shut down Virginia. That defensive coordinator hire, one of the best in the country over the past years, given the, what he's done, uh, his performance, uh, he might get a head coaching job here soon. As I say, continuing a streak of offensive coordinators that are coming out of Clemson and not doing well, right? I mean, it's, it's, just, it's not good for Tony Elliott. It's not going great for Jeff Scott. Or the fact that you're up on Furman by three scores and you can't give Cade Klubnik anything but one snap, I was infuriated last night. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, but Big Ten, Northwestern goes down at home to Duke. It's a double-digit favorite. Wisconsin goes down at home to Washington State. It's a 17-point favorite. Iowa scores seven points and loses at home to Iowa State. Uh, Nebraska loses at home to Georgia Southern. It was a rough day. Uh, Indiana was struggling at home against Idaho. A rough day for the Big Ten. Maryland did cross Charlotte, by the way. I just want to mention that because Charlotte, it might quit here. Uh, they're down to the third-string quarterback. They cannot stop a nosebleed, and it's their 0-3. It's going to be a long year. They're at, they're at Georgia State next. So we'll be pissed off after two losses that maybe should have won against group Power 5 teams. But, uh, yeah, I think that's it for us. We have to get to work. I got We got some important games week three. Got to get ready uh, for all of our stuff and uh, look forward to hitting some openers here. Yep, I'll be texting you later while I'm about to go to the bar for NFL, which is back. We're fully back, baby. Full weekends of football. It's good to be back. San Diego State stayed under, by the way. Colin gave out the over, and uh, his streak continues on not getting San Diego State totals right. We'll ask him next week. So make sure you do your research, Colin. We need another win. It's San Diego State at Utah. Oh, baby. Time to go work on week three. It was a good weekend. Hopefully we can continue the momentum. Call in all week. Make sure you download the Orbiting Action Network app. Shout out to our sponsor, BetMGM. Thanks to the callers. Congrats to Martin for our first bleep of the week win. Group of five guys back midweek. We'll be back late night Thursday previewing the week three slate. Normally on this episode, we will preview some weekday games if they're before Friday, but there's none this week. So we'll catch you later in the week. Cheers. Peace out.